Let's ask our kids now to come and we're going to. You see in your bulletin this morning, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite word, change. Isn't that your favorite word in the language? Change. Some of you are crying already. Some of you won't look up at me. Some of you are shaking your, oh man, that word is a tough word. I'm telling you what. Why is it so hard? Because we all go through it, right? Whether we like it or not, whether we want it to happen to us or not, change happens all the time. In fact, if you are a parent and you see that your little child isn't growing, isn't changing, then you have a problem, right? You take him or her to the doctor because little junior miss or mister isn't changing the way that God has designed them to change. And I was thinking this week that God has designed you and I to change. Not usually something that we like to think about or maybe even believe in our own heart, but He has not designed you to be the same as you were last week, last month, or last year. So some of you love an adventure, and life is an ever-changing adventure. Some of you would rather bury your head in the sand and avoid that change altogether. I remember a lady at our last church. um, She's now with the Lord, unbelievably, but we got there shortly after she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that if it's music, um, you know, or your sermon um, types, or the minutes, I don't like change. In fact, I hate change. She was very kind and very honest. She's like, if something is out of the ordinary, I don't know how to handle it. And unbelievably, nine months later, we found out she had breast cancer. And now she is with the Lord. And whether we like it or not, Our life changes constantly, and things come upon our paths that we would have never imagined, never pictured, never believed if we'd known about it in advance, and yet it comes at us every day. And so I want to talk this morning for a few minutes about the the challenge of change in our life, and, and how do you handle change in your life? Some of you have a jar on the counter, and that's where you put your change. Just forget about that for the rest of the service. That's not what we're talking about. I remember Rebecca's mom had, I mean, I've never seen jars the size of a barrel in her closet, and and I don't know how many hundreds of dollars of dimes and nickels, and you know, but uh, she kept every penny that she had. Just want to talk this morning about three Places in Scripture where, where God presented the opportunity for change to happen. He invited uh, His children into a new way of living, into a new experience, into a new reality. And, and how they, what God was saying to them is one of the things we want to talk about. What it would mean to them. What God was inviting them into. And then maybe in another story, how we're a little bit unwilling to go into those places where God is calling us to go. So if you have a Bible, uh, we kept those in front of you, or however you read the Scriptures, I'd love for you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. They'll also be on the screen, as always, so we can follow along together. This first invitation that God calls one of His children into, not the first, but the first we're talking about uh, this morning, is from the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let me read those for you this morning. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, and remember that phrase, the Lord said, because there's a lot of voices in our world inviting you to change. You watch the TV and you need to change your car in order to be happy. Change your makeup in order to be more beautiful. Change the kind of pop you drink in order to feel better about yourself. And I mean, on and on it goes about the things that we're invited to to, to do or to buy in order to change and be different. And yet God's word says something very different than our world. So he says to Abram, Abraham, just out of nowhere, can you imagine, picture yourself in Abraham's heart, in his mind when the Lord speaks and he says, Buddy, go out of your own country and out of this place from your relatives and from your father's house. Remember, that was their community. That was their enclave. That was their fortress. To a land which I'm going to tell you about later. I'm going to show you a week from now, a month from now, whenever I decide, just pick up and head down the road. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great, so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God came and he spoke to Abraham and says, Abraham, it's time for some big time changes in your life. Some of them I'm going to explain to you. You're going to have to pack all your bags. You're going to have to say goodbye to all your family, except for the little that I'm going to send with you. And you're going to have to head in a direction you have no idea where you're going to get there. Abraham, it is time for a change. Has the Lord ever come to you and however he speaks to you, he oftentimes calls me Pete or son. And there's this beginning awakening, or maybe it's suddenly out of nowhere like it was with Abraham. I don't think there's any way that God could have or was going to prepare him for this shock. He comes and says, I'm going to do something new in you. Something I may not be able to explain to you all the way right now. I don't know all the directions, or I can't tell you right now all the directions it's going to take you all the ramifications it's going to have on your life and the direction that you have. But this is the next step I have for you. When God comes to us with those sudden shocking changes, how do we respond? We could have responded, we could respond like Abraham could have responded. I mean, think about what God was asking him to do. He was asking him to leave his family. He didn't know if he'd ever see them again. He was asked them to move, who knows where, so he's moving to a different culture, with a different language, with different religions, with different everything. Everything would be new and different. He'd have to go through the agony of saying goodbye to all the ones that he had known and loved, and risk the security of the place where he was dwelling for the insecurity of a place he wouldn't even know necessarily when he got there. And he could have responded in fear to all the unknowns or to all the questions that he has in his own heart. And when has God come to us and invited us into a new place of living, a new place of obedience, and we have quickly ran to all the unknowns? Lord, but what will people think of me? What will this cost me? 
What about that relationship? What about that friendship? What about that position? What about that investment? What about all those things that we, that we can get easily distracted by? And, and we don't know what kind of conversation went on in Abraham's mind. All we see is that he set out and he followed, right? He set out and he followed. Now, I know you've heard people say this. I would do anything for God except be called into the mission field or into be a pastor or, or, or to be a teacher or whatever it is that, what is that one thing that you have always said I would never do that? I hope we don't come to the end of our life or further down the road and remember back to a time when God was calling us out. And we look back to that place that we said we'd never more than because God had already told us to go there <laughs> or to take a scary new step in our life. But time and time again, I heard people say, I can't follow God because of what's going to happen to me. Like, God can't take care of you if He calls you into something new or different or that brings great change in your life. He gave promises to Abraham as He called him into this new, sudden, crazy, amazing change. He said three things to Abraham. He said, first of all, your family name will be great. Your family name will be great. That was everything to these people. If you didn't have a lineage, if you didn't have family, then, then you were done. There was, you, wouldn't, you would just you would die and the story would be over. But the power of this culture was their passion to leave a legacy to those that would come after them. Their passion that their story of their, of their obedience to God and the things that God allowed them to do would live on long after they're gone. What will live on long after you're gone? The story of the passion of your hunger to follow God wherever He would lead you, even if something new and crazy and different. Or Pete would never change. He just stayed in his little box. You know, he never pushed any buttons. He never, you know, tried anything new. He just stayed the way he's always been and God said he would make his legacy great. Secondly, he said he would give him many descendants. Now, many is an understatement. <laughs> the Bible says more than the stars in the sky, God would provide him. What God is trying to help Abraham to understand is that, you know, you're worried about your finances here. About taking care of this little bit that you have. God says, when you give that to me, all you've got left is what I've got. And God's got a whole lot, doesn't He? And we can hold on to this little pocket of what we think we know and have and believe that's safe and protects us and keeps us secure and happy. Or we can allow God to take us out into something new and cast that aside and say, Lord, this is all about You and all about me and I'm going to depend upon You. And God says when you allow yourself to walk away from the little bit that you're holding on to, you're able to access the unbelievable riches of my grace and goodness in a way that you never could any other way. And sometimes God invites us into that painful, amazing place 
of leaving some things behind in order to follow him into something new. The devil tries to cheat us and to lie us into thinking that we have to hold on to what we have in order to be okay. And God says, you want to be blessed and let go of it and grab hold of me and do allow me to do something new in you. And then he says, thirdly, to Abraham, the world will be blessed through you. Now, the opposite of that is that trouble would happen because of Abraham. And have you ever caused the world any trouble? Are you awake? Have you ever caused the world any trouble? I know I have. I've made my share of mistakes. I've made my share of bad decisions. I've done things that I regret, and I don't want to go back to that. I want God to take me into something new. I want God to bring what Romans chapter 12 says is a transformation that changes me and continues to change me into something new. But in order to be made into something new, I've got to be willing to let go of and allow God to get rid of the thing that was old. I don't want to be the same Christian that I am now 25 years from now. I don't want to have the same crinkles and and sharp edges and and places in my heart and life that I know God wants to work and I believe He is going to work in. I want to say 25 years from now, I risked it for Him. I risk confession. I risk new kind of obedience. I missed... I risked going deeper with God so that I could have the blessings that He promised me by following Him. What a blessing Abraham's story is that though he was asked to go a place he would never know until he got there, leave everything he had previously known behind, God says, I'm inviting you into this new area, this new adventure. I'll take care of all the details. I'll take care of all of it. You don't have to worry about what to pack. Worry about, you know, answering the kids when they say, Daddy, are we there yet? You don't have to worry about any of that. You just go. You just follow me, and I'll take care of all the details. How good are you and I let God taking care of all the details? Mm-mm. Nope. Some of you are control freaks. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just saying. When it gets down to the, you know, God takes care of the big stuff, right? And we take care of the small stuff. Except it's the small stuff that keeps us from getting into the big stuff with God. So we got to let God take care of the small stuff so we can leave those things behind in order for God to take us out into the big things in life. Let go of the small things that the devil distracts us with so that we can experience the big things of God together. If you have your Bible still open, or if you want to, either to be on the screen, Luke chapter 1 is our next adventure into change. We're not that far from Christmas, so it's a familiar story that we have read together and thought about in the last couple of months, the story of this miraculous conception that God would do. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Let's read them together. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man who was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Kind of like, the Lord is with you, but there's a catch. I don't know if I misinterpreted the what 
the reflection in the Bible was about Mary was feeling, but favored one, the Lord is with you, so what happens next? You know that the Lord is always with us? We're all favored with his presence and his power, with his word, with his love. What's coming next for you? This is an invitation for Mary into, into the next newness, into the next adventure that God was calling her into. What's, what's next for you? What new adventure that God is calling you into? It's not going to be this story. It'll be your story as God allows you to write it together. The angel says to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I'm sure at different times in our life, we, especially around the Christmas season, we have for maybe a few moments pondered the kind of changes that Mary was about to experience in her own life. I don't know how easy it is for you and I to understand how this incredible miracle happened. But I don't think it was any easier or harder for us to understand than it was for Mary. It had never been done before. It will be never be done again, and only God can do it. And I wonder if there are some things in our life that have never been done before. We may never do them again, but right now, God is asking us to do them. We don't understand how. We don't understand why. But we know in our own heart what God is leading us to next. And the angel says, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. God will take care of it. He'll handle, remember all the details of how this could happen. That's up to God. You just have to trust him and be willing to be used as his vessel for change in the world. She was going to have the pain of childbirth. What about her reputation in her community? I mean, this was as about as bad as it could get having a child outside of wedlock. What would people think of her? What would people say? Would they understand? Would they ever understand what she was going through? How, how is she going to relate to the other moms in her community? I mean, who else is, you know, I, you know, Man, how's it going raising little Johnny? Man, it's tough. How's it going raising little Susie? Man, she's a spitfire. How's it going raising Barry B. Jesus? Just hard to identify with her experience in her community and her life. Things would forever be different in her home and in her family. Who would be able to relate to her and the changes that God was about to make in her? But God says... A couple of things of promise to her, I will give favor to you, a special favor given to no one else. 
obviously our story is not going to follow Mary's. We're not going to have this kind of miracle happen in our life. But what God is saying to you and I is that as he invites us into a new adventure, he will shine his favor upon us as we follow him. I think that we all can think back to times in our life when we didn't have the favor of God. We'd walked away, we had made some decisions that didn't please him, and so we were living our lives outside the favor and and the pleasing of God. And I'm sure Mary at a time in her life had done the same. And I love this invitation that God gives to remain in the favor of the Lord. Even though he wants to do something amazingly different, and that it never happened before, and that she would never fully be able to understand or explain, and she would spend the rest of her life pondering. God was saying, this is my next step for you. And as you follow me, as you go, my favor will shine upon you. And I can't think of anything else that I would want in my life than for God's favor to shine down upon me. Amen? Is there anything that you want more in your life than God's favor upon it? I hope not. I hope it is the crowning piece of joy and happiness for you is not the favor of a friend. It is not the favor of a classmate or a co-worker or a spouse or a church member, but of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And Mary is invited into this strange new beginning. And God says, above all else, my favor will shine upon you. And may we live continually in the favor of God as he calls us out into the new steps, into the new changes that he invites us into. And I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but in essence, God gives her a task. He says, you will be the mother of the Messiah. That wasn't a title. That was a calling. That was a duty. That was, that was a responsibility. That was, that was a lifetime of raising and loving and nurturing and caring for the man who would forever change the world. And I've met some wistful people in my day, and they, they just want God to call them to China so they can go and do something. They want God to change their circumstances so that their circumstances would be different. And they think if God would just call them to something new because it's new, that they'll be happy. And what God was doing for Mary was very specific. He said, I'm calling you to this new step. I'm calling this to this new place, to this new miracle. And this is what you're going to do when I take you there. And sometimes our listfulness for greener pastures invites us, our heart to dream of all the circumstances that we would be different if a change could occur. God is more concerned about who we are and who we become when he brings us into that place of change in our life so that his favor could shine upon us. Sometimes we're more concerned about the adventure than it is the task that God has called us to. For those thrill-seekers among us, sometimes change just for change's sake becomes the adventure. And nothing really ever changes. Except our circumstances. God says, there's a purpose in all of this. There's a plan in all of this. For, for you to be called to be involved in a work, 
in blessing others, in caring for others, in nurturing for others, for being available for those who are in need. And, and God is saying to Mary that you are going to pour out your heart like you never have before. And on that day of the crucifixion, she poured out her heart like she never had before. And over and over again, she poured out her heart. I was thinking this week what it must have been like to be the mother of Jesus and the mother of James. You know, you have someone come to you and, and uh, says to you, you know, how do your boys interact with each other? How do your boys get along? And, and you know, the other members of the family, and, she, and Mary probably says to them, well, I don't know. I just asked my kids, what would Jesus do? And I guess that's how we figure out all the things that are going on in our family. What would, I mean, beyond what we could fully comprehend is God's calling. But when God calls, he provides a way. Specific, purposeful, passionate, God taking care of all the details, next steps, all lined up by God. The things that we need to know, he tells us. And the things that we don't need to know, He doesn't. And then He calls us out to invite us into this next journey He calls us to. Third and last Scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 19. And I keep you in the Gospels there. I was telling the kids the other night in the car that I knew a friend in Oregon who named her four boys Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they were like, oh no, they didn't. But we'll keep in a few of those Gospels this morning. Matthew chapter 19. Verses 16 through 22. Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Someone came to him, being Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Really good question, right? Really good question. And Jesus said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one good, only one who is good. But if you wish to enter enter life, keep the commandments. The man said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you should not commit murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete... And I think we all wish that, don't we? To be whole, to be complete. How about you? Are you complete? Are you whole? This man's greatest wish was for this to be true in his own life. He didn't want to have any regrets. He didn't want to have anything left out. He didn't want to miss it. He wanted to be whole. Jesus said to him, if you want this for yourself, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And the scripture says, but when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Jesus was inviting him into into newness, into wholesomeness, into completion, a place that this man had never been before, 
a place that he had always longed to be, an adventure that he had always wanted to experience in his own heart and his own life. And the Lord laid out the details pretty simple. Sell it all and follow me. I've heard a lot of presumptions made about what happened next in the story. I'm just not sure I'm comfortable believing any of them because it just doesn't say, other than that the man went away grieving. I'm not sure why it is that God always points to that one place in us that hurts. God always speaks to our spirits about that deep inner spot that we're hoping he doesn't go to. That part of our journey that we are holding on to so tightly, even if it's destroying us, we don't want God to go there. And yet if we listen, that's always where he goes. Because he knows it's the point that will complete us if we follow him. Now the shocking thing for me to realize in this story is that here is a man who in every outward fashion that we can read about had been faithful to the law. He'd been faithful to God in every way that he knew how. He had followed, he had served, he had, he had obeyed the laws, he, would, he had um, kept away from lust, kept away from greed, more than most people could say in our day and age. He had done all of that. Compared to the rest of the crowd around him, he was doing really good. Maybe better than most of us. And he, like us, had a hunger in his heart for more. We've talked about that the last couple of Sundays. This desire that God places in our hearts to be all his. To follow him everywhere, no matter what it would cost us. To be complete, as this man said. Jesus said to him, be complete, and this is what you do. You allow God to go to that place where you don't want him to go, and you, want, you allow him to change your value system. You allow God to change your value system. I don't know, it just seemed to me that this man was all about collecting things all about his accomplishments, all about what he had done, whether it was in his own life of obedience or in his own possessions and materialism, it was all about him. And that's where his identity was in his obedience, in his willingness to obey the law, in his willingness to be upright in every way. But in the end, it was all about him. And Jesus points it out like he does to you and I. And he says to him, sell all that you have. Everything that you're holding on to, you've got to let go. And when you've done that, then you follow. What did God say to Abraham? Let go of everything that you have and everyone that you love and go. And follow me. What did God say to Mary? I want you to let go of your fears. 
Let go of what people are going to say or think about you. Let go of how this is going to affect your future. Let go of everything that, that could be your identity as a woman. Your child and your marriage and what your community think of you was all that she would ever have. It would forever define who she was. And she had to let go of everything that she thought she would become in order for God to do in her what she would never have believed to be possible. You know, we live in a world that for some they hate change. And for others, they're like this man, what, what do I need to do? What can be done so that I can be complete and whole? And God continues to invite us to a place, this scary place, this jumping off point where we let go of everything that we're holding on to so that we could grasp what we have never held. We know how the first two stories ended. And as far as I know, we don't know how the last one did. How will our story end? Because God isn't done writing it in us. Not this morning, not this afternoon, not tonight, not tomorrow. What are the things that God is calling us into next? One of the difficult things about the Bible is it just doesn't give us all the details. You know, God calls Abraham to a new nation, to descendants that will not be able to be numbered, and all of these amazing things. But, but what about the robbers at night? What about the people who try to, to upend and up-earth God's design? What about the women that would come along and try to mess it all up? What about the bad decisions that Abraham made, even as he followed God, that put potholes in the road of what he was going to do, and, and all the things that we could get so distracted and wound up by, but what if, and what if this happens, and what if this doesn't work out, and God just says, you know what, you need to stop. Stop making it about you and how you feel. Stop making it about you and what you want. Stop making it about you and about your dreams and plans for the future. Stop making it about you. And stop making it about, and start making it about me. Abraham, leave your family for the family I'm going to give you. Abraham, leave your possessions for the possessions I will give you. Abraham, leave the heritage that you have created for yourself for the eternal heritage that I am going to give you. We are so wired to hold on to what we have that we may miss all that God has created us to enjoy. What if Mary would have said no? as human as the rest of us? Did you catch that really shocking word in the, in the language that we read? She said, I am your bondservant. 
That's not a word that we like in our culture today. But in that culture, that meant that her life was signed over to God. And wherever God called her and whatever God said for her to do, no matter how scary it was, she was all in. And for most of us, we get this idea, this false reality that we think that God owes us. We think that we can try to manipulate, manipulate God so that he gives us what we want. And God says, you want what I have for you? Then follow me. And you got to let go of everything else. And that was the struggle for the rich young ruler. He just wasn't sure he was going to be able to let go. So, not knowing the end of the story, the man in Luke chapter 1 went back to everything that he'd known. Faithfulness to the law. Faithfulness to be pure in every way that he knew how. Faithfulness and and obedience and being an upright person. And yet missing the completion that God had promised in his life. Missing that peace that was always there when he went to bed at night. Missing that peace in the quiet moments of his life where he just wasn't who he wanted to be. He just wasn't going in the direction that God was calling him to go. And there's only two directions you and I can go in this life. We can walk back into what we feel is safe. The normal that we've created for ourselves. The legacy that we've built. The box that we've built to keep us safe and secure. Or we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling us deeper. Calling us onward. Calling us forward. And that's the climax of these three stories is that as far as we know, two of them definitely walked forward into a story that they would have never believed. They never fully comprehended all that God was going to do. Even as he told them the little bit that he was going to tell them. They walked forward into something that is still being talked about to this day. What about the last story? What about Luke chapter 1? Again, there may be part of the story that we don't know, but but it's a story that never ends in maybe not the best way. It's a reminder to us that we can walk back into what is safe and we're stuck there. And I hope it is your prayer this morning to never be stuck. There are quiet moments. There are places where we wait on the Lord. And then there's just this place where we can't get out of the funk of who we are. We can't get out of the funk of where we are. And we just feel trapped. This piece of our life is missing. And it may just be that because God is calling us onward, forward, deeper, and we're not willing to go there. And the challenge of change is there's only two two directions to go. We think that there's three. We think that there's back to where we were or this middle road that this this is meh, you know, I'm just going to kind of stay here right now or there's deep. 
I apparently missed that story in the scriptures of where that middle ground is. <laughs> because God creates a hunger in our heart for him and a calling to go deeper than we've ever been before. And I know that these stories are the abnormality in their particulars, but the principles of God's calling and provision and favor are the same. And I just wonder this morning if there might be one or two of us who, who are longing for something more, for something deeper than we've ever had before with God. And it just means letting go of some things that we do not want to let go. It may be allowing God to touch our heart in a place where we haven't been willing to allow him to touch, or it may be that he calls us into something new, and we don't like that. Calls us into a change, and we may know a particular or two, or it may just be, child, I want you to trust me and take one step at a time. But God's blessing will be upon us. His heritage will be with us, and he will do more for us in the new place than we could ever do for ourselves in the old. And so even though change isn't our favorite word because we know that it's going to be painful, the newness that God wants to do in you and I is not in the old, but in the new. And he's inviting all of us to walk into newness this morning. Let's stand and I'll close in a word of prayer. Father, we all could come up here and say this life is something else. There are the highest of joys and there are the darkest of lows and there is so much in between. There are so many things that we go through and we cause and, and we endure and, and we experience in this life that can throw us for a loop, that can throw us down. It is so easy, Lord, to get trapped in the the mindset of, of keeping what we can secure, keeping what we can safe because it's all we have. It's all that we may ever be. And I just pray, Lord, for our own hearts, for our own lives this morning, that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about that place or that thing or that person or that attitude or that decision that you're leading us into, that we would be willing to let go of that. Lord, we need to realize that it's not, it's not who we make ourselves to be that defines who we are, but it's what we allow you to make us to be that defines who we become. Thank you, Lord, for how your spirit speaks to us in a way that, that you know how to talk to us. You know how to speak to us in a way that we can understand and hear you. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that, that hungers for what the young man in Luke chapter 1 did, for, for completion, for deliverance, for joy like they've never known, for, for a purpose, for a future. 
Lord, all those things were, were, were promised, not in particulars, but in general, to the ones who follow you no matter where you call them to go. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us loose hands and willing hearts. Hands that loosen their grip on the past. Hands that loosen their grip on the present. Hands that loosen their grip on to the things that they're holding on to. And hearts that are willing to follow you into the things they don't fully understand. And Lord, it's, it's funny how you work. So many times it's, it's a quiet voice. It's not blasted from the mountaintops. You didn't blast it to Abraham so that the whole country could hear your calling. It was a whisper in his heart. But there And Father, I pray that we'd hear your voice clearly and that we'd follow you wherever you would call us to go. I thank you, Lord, for this adventure called life. I thank you, Lord, though it has its ups and downs, we can have the favor of God resting upon our life. We can have the blessings and the legacy of God resting upon our life. And instead of clinging to our own possessions and security, we can let go of all of those things and cling to God's. And I pray, Lord, that we would cling to you in this life of change. Lord, I don't know what's going to change in my life today or tomorrow or next year. I know that there are some things that will change whether I want them to or not. There are things that are going to change whether I like them or not. But Father, what about the change that you're inviting us to become a part of by our own will? I pray, Lord, that as you guide us, we would follow you into those places. And I look forward, Lord, to hearing how you bless us with your favor in those next steps. So, Father, thank you for creating us in a world of change. Help us to be the change in our world as we follow you. And may we all, Lord, know that completion that comes when our everything is given over to you. And we ask, Lord, your blessing in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.